place my hope on anything that can be taken away from me. My hope is in my unchanging relationship with Jesus, my Lord and Savior. A number of years ago, it dawned on me, that's where I need to be. I don't want to have anything that I'm looking to that could be taken away from me as my foundation. And if you are there, if you get there and stay there, <laughs> then people can do what they will. Will there be times of hurt? Yes. But you're not going to be destroyed. You're not going to be devastated. Where is your hope during those times when life is uncertain, those times when you doubt God? Where do you turn? Well, June Hunt says there are no hopeless situations, only those who've grown hopeless. Today on Hope for the Heart, she connects us to hope, the one true hope that can be the anchor of your soul. So let's get started with today's broadcast. A perspective I want us to consider is the person who prays very sincerely, I'm believing God for the restoration of my marriage. I'm believing God that my son who's on drugs, that he will come home. I'm believing God that it can be, and we've all prayed for people to change, people who are wayward, people who, whom we love, we care about. A lot of people, this is, you know, look, I have biblical hope because I've been reading my Bible, and the Bible says, ask and you shall receive. Now, how do we deal with that? I remember being on an airplane one time, there was an 18-year-old young man, and as we talked, he let me know that he didn't believe in God. I said, why do you not believe in God? He said, my grandmother knew she would be healed, and she had absolute faith, and she died. So that just let me know that God's not powerful. That conversation took place probably 25 years ago, and I still remember it because he wasn't a horrible guy, but he wasn't, he said, I'm not about to trust God. What do we do? We're using that word hope. What's right in regard to hope? I can run some scriptures for you, and it would sound like, look, if you just believe whatever you ask, you have what you've asked. From God. This is very important because if something could destroy the faith of an 18-year-old and then other people who call our ministry, same thing. I want to know who is the object of your faith when you were praying that. What was your focus? And the focus was not on Jesus himself, but on the end result that was desired. Let's look at what the Bible really says. And I'm talking about really says as in, what, how does God operate? What does he do? First of all, God has a perfect will. It's an ideal plan. And his plan is pleasing. It's good. It's always going to be good. It's right. Because the Bible says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Question, has anybody here been 100% in the perfect will of God? I think I knew the answer to that. Nobody has. Did the first persons on earth 
Adam and Eve comply to his perfect will? No. So it started out with the first human beings. The perfect will of God is in 2 Peter 3. The Bible says, this passage says, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's his perfect will, that all of us, every person on earth, repent. That obviously is not the situation. That's not what takes place in life. So here is this permissive will. That means God permits us to go against his perfect will in opposition to his perfect will. We certainly see that we have choice. Deuteronomy 30, we see that there's choice given. Choose life. He said, I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. So there's a choice. We see examples all the way through the Bible that people had choices. Many did not operate in the way that God would want them to, and God permitted them to have the consequences of their irresponsibility. In spite of that, God does have a prevailing will or a pervasive will. No matter what, there are certain things that are going to happen. So God's perfect will is for everybody to repent. However, he has a permissive will. He will allow people not to come to repentance and receive salvation. But what we do know is there is a remnant. He's told us there would be a remnant of the Jewish people. There will always be a remnant. So we know that. God's prevailing will is to grant full forgiveness and a home in heaven to all who repent of their sins. That will be the case. What I believe we see here is the person who says, but my hope is in Jesus. And if my hope is in Jesus and he is perfect and everything he does is perfect and I've yielded myself to him, then he can change my husband. He can change that son. And he will because I'm in his will. No. He's still given those individuals their permissive will. So I believe it is very important to also realize that there are times when God has a different plan as in leaving this earth. What time frame are we talking about? Well, I'll tell you, if this woman was as godly as that 18-year-old boy indicated, then she, sooner than he anticipated, but she was in the glories of heaven with Jesus face-to-face, seeing him face-to-face. So what is so precious is we can trust him, and that's the bottom line, is we're to trust him. I think that when you hear a question like, Well, where's hope when it doesn't happen? The it needs to be Jesus, not circumstances, because hope is not based on circumstances. We have the choice to have an anchored life. Let's say it. I want an anchored life. Again, I want an anchored life. My anchor is Jesus. One more time. I want an anchored life. My anchor is Jesus. Why am I drifting without real direction? I thought about the callers where they are having real problems. Specifically, these were the major areas. It's grief over an unresolved loss. And there is a time to grieve and a time to mourn. So it's not like grieving is a problem. But if it is unresolved, 
in truth, that can make a person feel hopeless, purposeless. And we will all have great losses. Just different people, different situations. And yet, if we are truly anchored in Christ, and, and I'm not trying to spiritualize everything. I have a problem with people who spiritualize everything. I just don't think everything is a spiritual issue. But I do know that if indeed there is a travesty, a trauma, a deep heartache, which we will all have, for us to get into a state of hopelessness, a state of constant anxiety, a state of fear, any of these states of, as opposed to the normal reaction to a major loss, then we've got to say, okay, now wait a minute. Am I anchored correctly? Do I have an anchored life? Because you and I could look at the life of Jesus. We could go down the list. Most people, if they had even a portion of what he went through, they would be down, depressed, just constantly impacted in a negative way. It's what I call the black cloud. There are people who have a black cloud wherever they go. They are so impacted by their circumstances. A man says, well, what are you doing under your circumstances? Well, under the circumstances, it's just all bad. Well, what are you doing under them? You know, you're supposed to be above them. I don't think there's a glibness that God wants us to have. I think it's more the stability that the anchor offers. And there can be and should be even joy in the midst of the pain. And I believe with all my heart that he gives us the ability to have the range of emotions. There's nothing wrong with you having the range of emotions. I don't understand people who appear to be heavy all the time. You know, I just, sometimes you want to say, Kim, come down a little bit, come down a little bit. You know, it's just, because then I'm thinking, well, this seems a bit much. All we want is stability in the Lord. If we have stability in the Lord, then that means we will be all that he created us to be. So that whether it's grief, whether it's guilt, whether it's even anger, whether it's actually being helpless, there are times when you are a victim and there's nothing you can do about it. It wasn't of your doing. You have no way to counteract what has taken place. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says, therefore, you are hopeless. And that's my point. There are no hopeless situations. Only those who have grown hopeless about them. If we do coddle or if we are so overcome and yet we think, well, this is where I am and this is what's right for me right now. Well, there's a way that seems right, but in the end it leads to death. There are no hopeless situations, only those who have grown hopeless. Such a powerful statement there from June Hunt. June Hunt will be back with more insight into biblical hope and what that means for us. But first, listen to this message about an exciting new ministry outreach. Taking them off my hook and placing them onto God's hook. I did just this, and my dried, hardened heart was softened. I cried to my Father for mercy and forgiveness. It was a cultivating experience, a renewing of my mind, and joy. I had not experienced joy for years. 
Our mission this year at Hope for the Heart is to help millions on the Internet like Brenda understand how to believe, trust, and apply God's truth to their life. To do this, we have an urgent need to convert more than 100 print teaching materials into videos. Every day, more than 13 billion videos are viewed. People are right now surfing the Internet looking for answers. Start your monthly gift of $30 or more today to support this I Hope video project and receive a copy of June's Counseling Through Your Bible handbook. Make this eternal investment at hopefortheheart.org. Well, we know how big of a mission field the Internet can be, especially if people are still staying home because of COVID-19. Supporting this project is one way to reach out during this time. That website again is hopefortheheart.org. For more about the hope we're talking about today, here's June again as she tells us about a safe harbor for those times when life veers off course. I don't think the issue is my circumstances were so horrible, therefore for me to live in a state of hopelessness, you just don't see that in Scripture. So let's figure out, well, what will help me understand or what will help me help somebody else? I have uh, seen this quote a number of times describing Dante's Divine Comedy. I read the Divine Comedy, oddly enough, in Italian. I took it as a language in college, Italian, and that was our second year to read all the way through Dante's Divine Comedy. Much of it was not funny because uh, it dealt with hell. It's a fascinating book. To live without hope is to cease to live. Hell is hopelessness. It is no accident that above the entrance to Dante's hell is the inscription, leave behind all hope, you who enter here. Leave behind all hope, you who enter here. Very sobering words. No hope. That's the place and the only place where there should be no hope. And that may mean that you'll have to be a lifeline to someone else along the way. And that's appropriate. You might be the one to keep that person going. And it's a blessing when you're used by God. But just understand, when we are called by God to help somebody else, the key is not to draw them to us. The key is to draw them to a dependence on the real anchor. We can be there to support. We can perhaps throw out a life preserver along the way. We want life preservers. The only permanent life saver is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's wonderful because then it's fixed. Then we don't have to try to draw people to ourselves to feel good about ourselves. It's not about us anyway. The problem is this wrong belief that we can so easily have. Wrong belief for basically feeling absolutely hopeless. Since I've lost everything meaningful in my life, I don't have any hope for the future. I can understand people thinking that, believing that, but it's just not true. It's just not true at all. It would be considered a lie in the eyes of God. What's the right belief? I won't base my hope on anything that can be taken away from me. My hope is in my unchanging relationship with Jesus, my Lord and Savior. A number of years ago, it dawned on me, that's where I need to be. 
I don't want to have anything that I'm looking to that could be taken away from me as my foundation. And if you are there, if you get there and stay there, <laughs> then people can do what they will. Will there be times of hurt? Yes. But you're not going to be destroyed. You're not going to be devastated. Lamentations 3, 25. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. So our hope needs to be in him. I got to thinking, why do people drift? And nobody wants to be off course. If you're traveling to a destination, you don't want to get off course. You want to be on course. Part of the problem is you could arrive someplace and not really be where you should be going, and yet you think that's the right harbor. You think you're on course to what will satisfy, and it doesn't satisfy. Don't you know people like that? I mean, have you ever been there? You think this will satisfy, and it doesn't, and you're surprised. You keep thinking, well, what's the matter? Why, why aren't I happy? Why don't I have peace? I'm not going to read the scriptures, but I just wrote out some unreliable harbors just to realize that you could have a destination that isn't the right destination. Politics, assuming that this is where you need to be, putting your faith in, in government. I'll tell you, uh, it is hard when someone puts their faith in a political party. You don't see Jesus spending his time caught up in the political world. I do believe it is appropriate if there is a candidate who stands more for what the Bible teaches. I support and I will tell people or whatever, and I'll, I'll talk about issues. But I do believe that in regard to putting your hopes in that, this is why people, they will be disappointed in economics, in society, in law, vocation, health, money, the marital relationship, you know, a loss of friendship, loss of close family connection, a loss of a loved one permanently. What about a loss of just biblical basics? Who did Jesus come heaviest down on during his ministry? The religious leaders. The religious leaders. Why? Because they had the cart before the horse. Was it wrong for them to tithe? No. That's good. But they gloried in their tithing. They made that the show where instead it was the relationship with their God that should have been what's prioritized. It's not about show. When we look at the passage from which we're basing this whole presentation on hope as being the anchor of our souls, Hebrews 6, 19 and 20, we have this hope an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. Notice, on our behalf. Jesus didn't just die on the cross and go to heaven. He's involved intimately in your life right now. What this means is he was, if you will, the forerunner. Think about John the Baptist. He's considered a forerunner. Pretty impressive credentials. If you look at what Jesus said about him. Does anybody remember what was said about John the Baptist? 
No one was greater. The greatest man that ever lived was John the Baptist. Can you imagine Jesus saying that? He's a pretty rugged guy, you know, just uh, not necessarily real cultured from the view I have of him. But he did pave the way as the forerunner. He went before the time of Jesus. He preached the message of repentance. He prepared the way, but he also got out of the way. What would be the key verse for a person if they've truly lost hope and you want to give them something to hang on to? And I have done this many a time. I've given just this one verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. If it's by phone, I'll say, I want you to write it down. I want you to put it on an index card and I'll call you tomorrow and make sure you did it. <laughs> and then I want you to read it. Morning when you get up, first thing when you get up, I want you to read it sometime during the day. I want you to read it just before you go to bed. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. When we look at life from God's point of view, it changes. Because we do not have his perspective. I certainly don't. I know that if we are willing to say, I don't see it. The reversals are great here. I don't like what's happened. What I see is you've already got a plan for me. And you said it's not to harm me. It's to prosper me. And some people make that about finances. And that is not it. I'd much rather have a prosperous spirit than bank account. Anything can happen negatively in regard to money. But the riches there are when you are truly yielded to the Lord. God's plans may not be our plans, but He does promise to give us hope and a future. You're listening to Hope for the Heart with June Hunt. There's more to come, so stay with us. Now, much of what you hear today comes from June's Keys for Living, titled, Hope, the Anchor of Your Soul. This hope-filled and powerful tool shows you how to understand God's will in the midst of disappointment. And with the illustration of boat and ship anchors, you'll never look at anchors quite the same. Find out how to get your copy of the Keys for Living titled Hope, the Anchor of Your Soul at hopefortheheart.org. Now, here's June again, and she has a special message for us. Hi, this is June again. I've been humbled by how God has blessed this broadcast by reaching millions of people over the past 34 years. We've been sharing the vital message how God's truth provides real answers to our real questions. After October 2nd, our daytime broadcast will transition off the air, but you can still listen to our nighttime program. And I invite you to our new website, junehunt.org. Here you'll find my audio teaching resources, just like you've heard on this broadcast. Plus, our Keys for Living series will be available, addressing relevant topics like anger, abuse, grief, forgiveness, marriage and family issues, and many other topics people face in life. Words can't express how much I appreciate our loyal listening audience. So join me as we step into this new season. Make junehunt.org your place to go for biblical hope and practical help where I'll continue to provide God's truth for today's problems anytime, anywhere. June, thank you for that message and the exciting news about a new website. This daytime program has had a run of 34 years and words can't express how thankful we are to our listening audience. Now, just to clarify, June is not going away. 
she will still host her late night radio program hope in the night and she just mentioned her new website that's coming online in october it's easy to remember junehunt.org this is in addition to the existing hope for the heart website and as we mentioned earlier in the program june's library of resources will eventually be turned into videos that will be available online anytime anywhere that's the point we want to be able to help you find biblical hope and practical help when you need it. Again, we're so grateful to our listeners, and we invite you to follow us into these new areas of ministry. For June Hunt, I'm Joe Wolf. Remember that there is hope no matter the circumstance. Meet us back here on Monday for more hope and help right here on Hope for the Heart.